eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 Podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with my co-host Blake Alderman. Blake, I've gotten a lot of comments on the uh, the podcast recently about uh, maybe me talking a little bit too much. So uh, I wanted to do an episode uh, for a couple of reasons that focuses a little bit more on recruiting, which obviously is your area of expertise. It's a bye week, so I, th- I feel like that's a good week to do it. Um, I guess, Blake, let's start off generally. Can you break us down where we're at in recruiting as far as rankings wise and, and kind of where Florida's at at this point in the cycle in terms of what they've done class-wise what they still need to get done yeah you know I guess let me start off first and foremost earlier this week Florida lost a commitment from their top commitment in the 2022 class and four-star linebacker Shamar James Uh, he's out of the Mobile Alabama area Um, that was a big win for Florida back in June when he took that official visit Um, he took visits to Auburn and Alabama as well Um, he's taken an unofficial visit to Georgia this past weekend it looks like the Bulldogs are a factor there Um, in-state Alabama is also a factor they they were a factor they they continued to recruit him even whenever he was committed to Florida so you know the need for linebackers you know you look at Florida on the field this year Um, You know, James has the size and the athleticism, which is really what you want in that Florida defense. You know, Florida has had guys that are, you know, bigger guys, but weren't quite athletic enough to kind of move around and play in space. Or they've had some of those guys that were more tweeners needed to add some of the size there. So James was a big blow in the simple fact that he was a little bit of both. And Uh, operated guy in the class, right? Sure. You know, obviously that's a big blow too. Um, Florida right now, uh, they dropped down to number 17 in the uh, team uh, rankings right now. Um, That's with currently holding 14 commitments. Um, they've had some guys, you know, 24-7 updated the top 247 this week. Um, you know, Isaiah Bond, Florida's uh, four-star wide receiver commit, um, listed as an athlete, but will play wide receiver at Florida. Um, he's now the top-rated commitment in the class. He's a top 100 guy. Uh, Julian Humphrey, uh, four-star cornerback um, out of the Texas area, is another top 100 guy now on the 24-7 sports composite. Um, so those are two guys Florida has right now in the top 100. Uh, you know, just kind of another big bump um, from the rankings this week was four-star quarterback commit Nick Evers. Uh, he moves up from, I believe, like 197, somewhere around there up to 119. So he's had a really good year this year so far. Uh, he missed a game with concussion protocol. Another game he only played like a quarter in there, and I think that was the game that he was originally hurt in. Uh, I think he's thrown somewhere around 1,600 yards, um, only one interception, um, you know, has, a, I think, somewhere around seven rushing touchdowns somewhere as well. Um, so he's had a pretty good year. So, you know, Florida going forward, um, some needs they still need to fill. Obviously, linebacker losing a guy like Shamar James, that's a need for Florida. You look at the defense, um, that's an area where they really need to fill. Uh, defensive back, you know, I, I think that they've got, 
Um, you know, obviously Humphrey right now, but he's looking around at some schools like Texas A&M and Georgia. Uh, they have Jamarian Burt out of the Ocala area, um, but they need to add a safety. They want to add a safety. They've got some guys on the board right there. I think one safety is ideally um, kind of the target area for Florida. Um, cornerback, you know, you look at Kyer Elam. I think if you're a betting man, you know, you're betting that he's off to the NFL after this year. Safe bets. <laughs> yeah, that's a safe bet at least. I would take that one. But Florida needs to replace. You know, they've got some guys that are pretty young, but continue to add bodies in there. Um, you know, sure, Florida's going to be young next year, but you need to continue to add that depth. So you don't get stuck in the area to where, you know, you really have to look in the portal. You really need to add some, you know, some, some experience there. You know, they're going to play those younger guys. You know, they're going to get more experience. You know, the Avery Helms, the Jason Marshalls. But adding some talent in there is it's never bad for Florida. You know, you look at a school like that, that that's produced a lot of defensive backs. Um, so, you know, those are some areas. Tackle. That's been an area for Florida so far. They've got some guys in there. There's still some guys on the target board. You know, you look at just Florida in general. You have a guy, you know, like Richard Garage that goes down. You know, you have some depth that's really not a lot of, uh, you know, experience in there. So I think continue to add. And I think that Florida in general has done a good job on the interior part of the line. You know, you look at the Josh Bronze, you know, the Kingsleys, you know, those those interior type of guys. I think they've done a good job recruiting those, not so much at the tackle position. So, you know, there's still some targets left on the board for Florida, adding some more of those in there. I think that's the big key defensive line. Also, you know, it's a trench league as much as anything. Um, Florida's got some targets. They'll be seeing some of those guys this week during the bye week, you know, going to see some of those recruits play in action on Thursday and Friday. Um, so, you know, I think those are probably the biggest areas. I think Florida's done a really good job with wide receiver. You look at their class right now, uh, running back, they have one committed in Terrence Gibbs. They want to add another one, a guy like Trevor Etienne, the younger brother of Travis Etienne for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Looks like their big target there. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, wide receiver is probably the area where I think they've done the best job of, you know, credit to Billy Gonzalez there. You know, Nick Evers obviously is a big time stud. You know, I think he's a really good player as well. So, you know, you fit your need right there very early in the spring. Um, but, you know, there's definitely some areas that Florida needs to continue to improve on. Well, it sounds like there's, there's two major takeaways I have from kind of everything you just said. And I think the first one is it sounds like Florida's got a decent core to its class. You know, when you talk about a guy like Nick Evers, you talk about some of the weapons at receiver, um, you know, defensive line. I think they've done better shoring up the interior there. But then the other part of that that I hear is is ranked 17th in the country, ranked sixth in the SEC. And you look at it, okay, if you're not – top five, you're not Alabama, Georgia, that's okay, right? Like, I, that's you can live with that, in my opinion. I, I think the discussion we're having in the fan base now, at, at least what I've seen on Twitter the past 24, 48 hours on the message boards, is what is a realistic recruiting expectation for Florida? And Blake, you've been, you've been covering recruiting specifically a lot longer than I have. So let me, let me toss that to you real quick before I kind of move into the second part of that. What, what is realistically in your mind, a reasonable expectation for Florida recruiting wise, as far as kind of where they fall in a given year, you know, realistically, Florida should have a top five class. You know, you look at just the history. Top five, top five is I think the expectation. I think at the worst, a top 10 class for sure. And that's inside the top 10, you know, not outside the top 10. Um, you know, you look at urban Meyer, you look at urban Meyer, Will Muschamp was able to have the number three recruiting class. I think at least once, maybe twice. I mean, he was, yeah. you know, this is a guy that was really struggling on offense and was still able to add some of those big time guys. So, you know, I mean, it's not like it's impossible to be in the top five for Florida. You look at the, you know, the, the area around the state it's loaded, you know, even the state of Georgia, you know, you get some of those guys out of the state of Georgia every once in a while, Florida's going to recruit on a national spectrum. Um, you even back to DJ Durkin getting guys out of North Carolina. So right there in that Southeast area, 
Florida has a lot of ties on this staff to the state of Texas. You know, you look at Texas and Texas A&M, LSU recruits that area. But Florida has a lot of ties in there. You know, you look at Julian Humphrey in there now, Nick Evers in there now, Avery Helm. There's mm-hmm. been plenty of guys out of the state of Texas that Florida has been able to, to land. So I think that those areas right there, I mean, those are premier areas to where they produce quite a bit of talent. So I think top five is the expectation for Florida fans. You know, you look at you know, like I said, the Urban Myers and the Will Muschamps who were able to do that, you know, in Florida's success, they've had New Year's Six Bowls, you know, improving every year. You know, obviously it's a drop off this year, but I think the expectation, you know, in a down year is top 10. And whenever you have a good year and you're winning, like Mullen has shown, he has been able to do over the last couple of seasons. It's a top five is the expectation from the fan base. Yeah, I think I think right or wrong, that probably is the expectation from the fan base. I, I think I've you know, come back off that a little bit myself. I think you're going to have years where you're going to be outside the top 10 here or there. I just think that needs to be kind of the aberration rather than the norm. You know what I mean? Like where being, having a class that cracks into the top 10 at number nine shouldn't be like the, the, the celebratory kind of deal, right? Like that should be kind of like you're saying, bare minimum expected. Right. And I, I guess the, the reason it matters is because Blake, we're here in year four under Dan Mullen you know, they lost four games last year with what I think was a much more talented roster than this year. And and granted, they were close. There was, you know, they shouldn't have lost the LSU game. They were right there with Alabama. But that's the reality is you got a lot of games that can swing one way or another when you're playing an SEC schedule. You're seeing that this year. Florida has a less talented team. They're four and three. And if you're looking at how does Dan Mullen's program take the next step, recruiting is such an obvious starting place for me. And when you see it on paper and you see, okay, Alabama's one, Georgia's two. Again, those guys are recruiting the lights out. I'm not saying that Dan Mullen needs to be recruiting top one, top two classes. I don't, I don't think that's realistic. That's not who Dan Mullen is. I think Dan Mullen's a good enough coach, like where you're saying, if you can get a top five class every now and then, and then you know, kind of be in that back end of the top 10 the rest of the time, I think you're fine. I think Dan Mullen's a good enough coach that he'll get you over the hump. The problem, Blake, is when you're sitting down there at 17 and you're starting to look and you've got Texas A&M's up there at nine. You got them on the schedule next year. LSU's number 11. You got them on the schedule every year. Missouri is now ahead of you at number 14. Right behind you, two spots, is Kentucky at number 19. Uh, two spots back Both of those that. schools have five-star commits, Kentucky and Missouri both. There you go. So you're seeing schools that Florida typically on the field never has an issue with. All of a sudden, Florida's right in their range in recruiting. And as good a coach as Dan Mullen is, I don't think he's a good enough coach to be able to consistently overcome you know, having a a schedule where you play two to three teams that are on paper, the more talented team and probably favored to beat you. And then also not have slip up games against the teams that are kind of in that area right around you, the the number 19, Kentucky, number 21, Arkansas, number 22, South Carolina. Like every now and then, just like recruiting every now and then, you may have a year that slips out of the top 10. Every now and then you're going to have a year where you slip up and you lose to a Kentucky or a South Carolina you know, even as the more talented team. And so I think the, the, the goal should be pretty clear for Florida at this point. You've got to push that recruiting ranking up. So, Blake, let's talk about the current class. Uh, I probably took too much time right there because, again, this is, this is your topic. Um, I'm it all, man. What I want to talk about is let, let's, let's go through Florida's class. I, I went through and put a scholarship breakdown uh, of where Florida's at, kind of by class, by position on Swamp 24-7. So I encourage you guys to go check that out if you're, if you're following along. Uh, for those that are watching on YouTube, we're going to do some new things with this podcast. I'm going to try to add graphics in there uh, from our website of some of these prospects that Blake's talking about, make it a little bit more uh, easy to follow. But Blake, let's start going through the class. Tell me position by position what Florida's got, what they can expect from certain guys, and whether or not you think they need 
more and kind of who those targets are. Let's let's start right now at quarterback. I know you mentioned Nick Evers. Florida set there. Yeah, you know, I think that's the one quarterback there. You know, they could probably look at a you know preferred walk-on type of guy. Um, but Nick Evers is their guy for Florida. That's the one quarterback they're going to take. They took two quarterbacks uh, this past cycle. So, you know, that was more of a makeup for losing a guy like Jalen Jones. So Nick Evers looks like the only guy there. Um, and, you know, I think the staff thinks a lot of him. He was kind of a sleeper diamond in the rough kind of guy earlier in this year. You know, continue to add more offers. He's really showing out this season. I believe last year was his first year starting on the varsity level. So he's really showing out. And he's playing above expectation. And I think that's why you're seeing him as a guy that's been a big mover in the last couple of rankings updates. I know you mentioned running back. Florida has Terrence Gibbs. That was a really good get. Four-star guy that we, we kind of praised them on the podcast for back when he popped. You're looking at it. We still don't really know with like the super seniors what's going to happen. I think Florida theoretically could still go back if they wanted to and apply that extra year for Damian Pierce and Malik Davis. But if both of those guys leave, Florida only has three scholarship guys coming back. So in my opinion, probably need to add somebody to Gibbs. Who are they looking at? Correct. You know, and I think that the guy right there to follow is four-star running back Trevor Etienne. I mentioned him earlier, uh, the younger brother of Travis Etienne. Um, he'll actually be seen by Greg Knox on Thursday night. He has a game, so Greg Knox will be out in the state of Louisiana uh, to see him play on Thursday night. Uh, he's going to be taking a pair of official visits. I don't know if more set, but the two known official visits for the month of November uh, is Clemson the weekend of November 12th, and then he'll be at Florida the weekend Florida plays Florida State um, on the November 27th weekend. Um, you know, those are two programs that, you know, staples in there for him you know he's really been recruited hard by Florida again with them looking for a second running back and I think the big reason not only for all the reasons you said Florida needs to probably add a second running back you know just from guys leaving and guys returning what's on the roster but Terrence Gibbs had a really serious injury in his junior year to where he missed his entire junior year he hasn't played his senior year and I think that's more of a precautionary type of thing um, you know sure maybe the beginning of the season he was still kind of rehabbing some things but when you have a serious injury like that I just don't think you want any setbacks you know so he's more rehabbing making sure everything's kosher for whenever he gets to Florida, you know, all set to go there. Um, but the simple fact of whenever he, before he was at Winter Park High School, I'm talking about Gibbs, he was at Masters Academy, which is a smaller type of school. Doesn't really have the, you know, elite type of games. You're playing these top tier type of guys, but he was running all over those guys. And granted, whenever you have a guy that's at a smaller type of school, lesser competition, you want them to put up video game type numbers. You want them to run and dominate. He did those things. But the the knowing part of being at Winter Park where he's at now um, was really excited to see him in that junior year playing against a little bit higher competition. Unfortunately, we weren't able to see that with him having an injury so earlier in the fall part of his camp, um, you know, and sitting out this year. So Florida was able to work him out in July, um, excuse me, in July. And he also, um, I, I believe it was just July, he did a private workout while he was at Friday Night Lights. So they were able to see him, you know, they were able to kind of follow the injury, you know, what they're getting out of them. So I don't think Florida would have taken his commitment if they weren't confident in where he's at and where he's at with his, you know, rehabbing and, and, and can he contribute in the future. But that being said, you never know how injuries work out. You know, you have a guy that you haven't seen him play against top tier competition. So mixing the fact that Florida needs it from a, a roster depth type of standpoint, but also you're not really totally hundred percent sure of what you're getting with Gibbs. You know, you can look on tape and he's great on tape, you know, from what he's put on for Masters Academy. But I think a safe bet of adding a second guy like a Trevor Etienne is really a, a good idea for Florida. You know, and I think Florida has in their back pocket the fact that they're recruiting him hard. He has a good relationship with Dan Mullen, Greg Knox. Um, you know, he visited Florida back in June. The academics is something that's an appeal to him. The chance to play early whenever you're losing type, you know, some guys that are, you know, 
you know, the Damian Pierce's and the, you know, possibly, um, you know, the Malik Davis's type of guys, Florida's really run the ball really well this season. So I think that's another appeal there as well, but another appeal to the family is the fact that Trevor um, can be right up the road from his brother, Travis, who's up there for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So it's kind of an area to where you can see both brothers and that's an appeal to the family Clemson where Travis went. Um, you know, they have obviously, you know, turned him into a first round draft pick. So I think those two schools, you know, are definitely no brainers when you look at it. Georgia, they, you know, they, they're pretty set on running back right now. Alabama, I'm not really sure where they fit into the mix. LSU, obviously where he's from, the state of Louisiana, going through a coaching change. So I think Clemson and Florida are the two teams to watch right there for him, at least right, right now. Receiver, yeah, I know that we both feel pretty good about that class right now. You got three guys, a lot of speed. Anything else needed there? Are there even a plus one type that Florida's looking at? Easily, it's five-star Evan Stewart. You know, that's the cherry on top for Florida there. If they don't land him, I'm not totally sure where the board shifts or if it does at all, whether that's the transfer portal, whether that's mm-hmm. some other names. You know, I think just from my gut feeling with no real intel there, you know, Quan Lee, a four-star wide receiver currently committed to UCF, plays for Buholtz High School right there in Gainesville. Could that be a guy they turn to? He's obviously visited and camped being right there in, you know, in, in Gainesville. Um, he played with uh, Anthony Richardson whenever he was at Eastside before moving over to Buholtz. So that's a guy maybe to keep an eye on. You know, for Evan Stewart, um, Texas and Florida have been the two main schools there. I actually put in a crystal ball to Florida coming out of a July visit where he took an official visit in June and an unofficial visit in July, really dominated at, at Friday Night Lights, has a great relationship with Nick Evers. They're seven on seven teammates, you know, they're friends, you know, actually for, for Nick's uh, birthday, um, I believe it was earlier this month, last month, you know, they spent the weekend together, you know, with some other friends. So, I mean, they're friends outside of playing seven on seven. And I think there's an appeal of having Nick Evers on the same team as him, you know, being friends, knowing what he can do on the field. Um, Texas has gotten him on campus twice this season. He's actually a former Texas commit. Um, I think they become much more of a factor. So I don't feel quite as confident on my crystal ball when I put it in in July and it was looking really good for Florida. He was supposed to come back for the Alabama game, you know, missed his flight, wasn't able to get there. I think Xavier Worthy at Texas is a guy they're really pitching that he can have that same similar type of skill set and same type of, you know, Xavier Worthy had a really dominant game against Oklahoma. So they're seeing that they're really making it a point to get those speedy, you know, slot guys that you can move in the slot and you can move outside type of guys. So I think there's an appeal there. But there's also the factor, too, that Alabama is going to get an official visit for him. And Alabama, just time and time again, has shown that they can turn a recruitment on its head. You know, going into that visit there, he's visited them in the past. I'm really watching to see where that official visit comes at, first and foremost, because, again, Alabama can really change the tide of a recruitment. And I'm also watching to see if he can get back on campus for Florida, because, like I said, he missed that that flight to get to the Alabama game. Um, he was supposed to visit with Nick Evers. You know, their families are supposed to travel together. Um, can right. they get him back on campus again is something to watch there. But again, I'm not feeling as confident. Don't think Florida's completely, you know, I'm not throwing them out of the mix. I'm not saying they're not involved anymore, or at least somewhat of a factor. I just don't feel as confident there. And I think that's a guy that Florida needs to get back on campus. All right, real quick here, wrapping up the offense before we take a break. Tight end. I know that Florida had a commitment recently. CJ Hawkins flipped to Stanford. Any plans to backfill that? I mean, you're looking at it, you got uh Kimari Gamble Keon Zipper Gamble probably gone unless they do the super senior thing with him uh you got a couple you know younger guys that they were high on and Jonathan Odom Nick Elksness and Gage Wilcox but uh Florida going after anybody at tight end yeah you know they're actually looking at an LSU commitment in Mason Taylor uh the the son of uh 
of uh, oh god, what's his name from the Dolphins? Um, Jason Taylor. Jason Taylor. Yes, yep. sorry. Um, he's a coach at St. Thomas Aquinas, where Mason attends. Um, you know, Tim Brewster will be on the sidelines of their game Friday against Dillard, which should be a big time game. You know, I believe Dillard is undefeated going into that game. I believe St. Thomas Aquinas only has one loss in the season. Both two big time programs down in the South Florida area. Um, Florida's still kicking the tires on Mason. You know, they got in touch with them recently um, after they lost that commitment from C.J. Hawkins. Um, you know, again, committed LSU. They've got a coaching change looming there, you know, with Ed Orgeron uh, gone after this season um, from the Sunshine State. You know, I mean, that's a guy that Florida should, you know, easily be able to get a visit from. He's actually looking to officially visit for the Florida State game, kind of like Trevor Etienne. Um, but that visit is not set in stone. That's just kind of a, I, I guess, the target possible type of visit for him. So that's a guy that Florida could get on campus. Um, you know, and we'll see where things transpire from there, if any new schools pop in and out. But, you know, right now, that's that seems like the guy that Florida's really targeting at that tight end position. All right. Oh, Lion Blake, here's one. I have kind of a, a question more about the current commits than I know. I know that you said Florida needs tackles. I'm looking at the guys that they currently have committed. They got three guys. Um, Tony Livingston. David Connor and Jalen Farmer. And two of those guys are kind Farmer of Farmer is actually an interior guy as well. Yeah. A couple of those guys not rated very highly. What's your take on these takes? I mean, are these guys that the recruiting process is a little bit behind on them as far as maybe not having an up-to-date eval? Do you like Florida scouts on these guys, or does Florida just need to get more talent on the line? To start off on the interior guy in Jalen Farmer, I, I like mm-hmm. him. You know, I, I think that he's – I'm not saying he's a top 247 type of guy or a big-time four-star guy, but I think that 24-7 having a higher evaluation on him – um, compared to the composite, you know, you look at as an 85, which is more of a mid-range type of three-star type of guy compared to an 87, which is a higher end three-star. I think 24-7 is a little bit more correct on that one. Um, I think just the losing that big kind of bad weight that he's lost into his senior year, you look at his tape, he takes guys to the ground. I think he's very physical. I really like Jalen Farmer. Uh, as far as David Connor. That's a guy that I think we really need to evaluate more of his senior tape. You know, he's coming in um, from the state of Georgia, moving down to Deerfield Beach down there in South Florida, um, has played mostly defensive tackle in high school. Um, This was his first year actually playing offensive tackle um, at the high school level. So it's really kind of a guy where you need to evaluate. But you like the intangibles. You like the wingspan. You know, you like the frame that he puts together. He's worked out for Florida, um, you know, before they decided they wanted to offer him. So it's a guy that they have an idea of what they're getting out of him. But you want to see the game tape of him. A, first and foremost, playing offensive tackle for the first real time, and that's playing left tackle for his high school. And B, going against the top-tier guys in South Florida. You know, he's played against uh, Francois Knowlton, a Florida commit who's had a pretty solid year, um, who's known for getting to the you know the backfield to the quarterback. So he's playing against those, you know, really elite type of defensive linemen down in South Florida. So I think that's a guy that you really need to evaluate the tape from his senior year before you move on to rankings, um, you know, before you move him in the rankings, really get an idea of what's going on there. And I think that's kind of where we're at now. But heading into there, I, I like his ranking there. You know, again, you've got a guy that's playing offensive tackle for his first year. There's just not enough information, I think, to move him up or down or any kind of which way. Mm-hmm. Tony Livingston, I think, is an interesting guy because heading into the spring um, around when he committed, he was somewhere around 260 pounds, had only played tight end, kind of a jumbo type of receiver for his high school, but he projected as an offensive tackle. I mean, 260 pounds, you know, that's looking like an offensive lineman and an athletic one, mind you, I'm at that next level. Hasn't played for his high school. I believe he's, if he played a couple games there, it was maybe one or two. Um, He's shifted to basketball. He's playing basketball now only for his high school. That was from his basketball coach at King High School. Um, He's really dropped some weight there, so he's a little bit more slender. I want to say somewhere around like the 230, 225 type of range. So I don't think that's a guy that Ford is going to look at at tight end. I think that's a guy they're going to continue to try to bulk up. 
um, you know, kind of keep his athleticism. But that's a guy that's going to need weight regardless of what happens yeah. with him. You know, whether you want to put him whichever which way, um, it, it's just to me a guy that you need to continue to fill out. So he's not going to be an immediate impact guy, but Florida is looking at him at offensive line. Um, I think maybe athlete, you know, could they look at him? Uh-oh. Got you temporarily frozen. <laughs> Give it one sec to get the feed to get back. Is it tight end? Am I back alive? Uh, hold on one sec. All right, I got you now. Sorry about Will that. Will they look at him? Will they look at him as as uh, as a tight end in the future? I don't know. I think it kind of depends more on the size, but I think mm-hmm. ideally Florida wants to look at him as an offensive tackle, and he's going to have to continue to add some of that weight back. All right. Well, what I'm hearing there is you got two guys that are, are projects, and that's not new for what we've seen out of Florida in terms of O line recruiting. I guess the concern is you you know you've done that kind of since John Hevesy's been here, and for the most part. A lot of those projects at least take a long time to pan out. Florida's probably going to need some guys to step in sooner. Blake, are there any blue chip type of linemen that they're going after real quick here before we take a break? Yeah, you know, they're actually looking at four-star offensive tackle Julian Armella, St. Thomas Aquinas guy like Mason Taylor that I mentioned before. Um, He said that he will take an, an official visit to Florida at some point. No dates locked in there. Um, you know, LSU was looking like the team to beat very early on there. Obviously, another guy dealing with a coaching change, St. Thomas Aquinas, has sent a couple offensive linemen that he's friends with over the years to LSU. Um, so I think that was some factors there early on. Um, Malik Agbo, um, a four-star offensive tackle from out in the Washington area. You know, man, West Coast guys, you know, those are guys you don't bet on for Florida. But he's said in the past that he will take an official visit to Florida for the Florida State game. Uh, We'll see where things shake out there. I think he's fairly open with the recruitment. He's taken official visits to Texas. I believe he's taken a couple others. So Florida, really, that's the first visit you're ever getting for him. So really, a lot of things hinge on that. Um, That's a four-star guy that Florida's looking at, though. Um, But past that, you know, looking at blue chipper guys, those are really the four-star type of guys that Florida's looking at right now. You know, you've got some three-star guys like Jacobian Nona, out of uh, uh, Bell Glades down at Glades Central, worked out for Florida, former Pittsburgh commitment, visited for the Alabama game. I think that's a guy that seems into Florida right now. Um, he was, I guess, suspended or there was some reason why he wasn't able to play uh, the first part of the season, but he's getting some tape now. They're evaluating that, seeing where things go for there on him. Uh, a guy that I really like and a guy that I was really glad that Florida offered, Matthew McCoy up there in the St. Augustine uh, area for Florida. He plays at Creekside High School. He's just been a man on fire these last couple months, offer after offer after offer, really adding some. He has offers from the big three in Florida. Uh, Florida offered him when he visited for the Vanderbilt game, uh, came away naming Florida his leader. Um, I actually have a a crystal ball for Florida on Matthew McCoy right now. Uh, This coming weekend, he's off this week for a bye week. He'll be at LSU, or excuse me, he'll be at Ole Miss for the LSU game for his first official visit. So we'll see how things go there because, you know, Florida, you can get guys that you lead for. They take some visits. Can you close out on them? Yeah. Florida's going to take that official visit with him. Uh, I believe he'll be in there the weekend of December 10th. So I think Florida is in a great spot with him now. We'll see where the visits, how they transpire, which ones he takes, which ones he locks in. Maryland is one he's mentioned wanting to take. No dates there. So, so far, Florida and uh, Ole Miss are the only two visits he's got set up there. Uh, Ramir Lewis is a guy that I don't know a ton about as far as game film because he's a guy that reclassified from the 2021 class to the 2022 class. Originally from the Detroit area, I believe, uh, now at uh, American uh, Collegiate Academy down there in Clearwater. Um, he's visited Florida a pair of times. Florida's been the, the named leader for him as well. Um, I think that's the guy that Florida really wants to see where things play out with some of these other guys on the board right now. Um, but he's obviously continuing to visit. You know, he'll 
at least he's saying that he's planning to take an official visit uh, later this year, sometime in December. I haven't had or, uh, heard of a date locked in there. So as far as four-star blue chipper types of guys, you know, Malik Agbo, uh, Julian Armella, and then it's a couple three-star targets, targets. But again, I really like Matthew McCoy, and I think there's a lot of uh, upside with him right now. Sounds like sounds like they got some good targets. You just got to close on them, and that's kind of been the story for Florida. And to Dan Mullen's credit, they have closed well in past years. I mean, Josh Brown's a guy that they pulled very late in a certain cycle, and um, they've done that here and there. But I, I think there's no question you need to get an impact guy on the old line. And then, you know, you mentioned ATN's probably a really, really good prospect to look for at running back. So, Blake, let's take a quick break, and then I want to attack it on the defensive side of the ball with you, figure out what Florida's looking at over on that side so, right after this break. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with my co-host, Blake Alderman. We're going through Florida's 2022 recruiting class right now, kind of looking at the guys that Florida already has committed, how Blake feels about those guys, regardless of ranking. You know, Blake is able to see a lot of these guys in person playing in their high school uh, football games and and kind of evaluate them. So a lot of times, you know, there's guys that end up ranked a little bit lower that maybe are better takes. And then frankly, there's sometimes guys that are ranked a little bit higher that Blake's like, eh, I don't know if I, you know, so we're getting kind of a, a pulse on that. Blake, let's shift over to the defensive side of the ball. Defensive tackle was obviously a, a big problem area for Florida in the 2018, 2019 classes. It seems like over the last two classes, Florida's kind of filled that need. And then they've got another guy committed in Jamari Lyons. What do you know about him? And then does Florida need to get anybody else on the interior of that D-line? You know, Jamari's had a really good career at Vieira High School down there in the, you know, the Space Coast type of area. Um, I believe he has somewhere around eight or nine sacks. I can't remember the last time I looked, but he's been productive this year. And that's rare, I guess, to say for a guy on the interior part of the line because he plays that three technique. You know, normally those are guys that kind of eat up the space, you know, don't really get the numbers. But he's an athletic guy that's put up those kind of numbers, um, you know, obviously getting to the quarterback. So I really like Jamari Lyons. He moved up, I think, somewhere around 25 spots. Um, in the latest uh, 24-7 uh, rankings update. So really like him, but, you know, obviously 
trench league, like I said, you know, you really need to continue to add some more guys in there. Um, and one interesting bit of news that came out um, early Thursday morning was the fact that uh, a North Carolina defensive lineman, Clyde Pender, uh, who was a Florida target a couple cycles back, um, he's entered the NCAA transfer portal. Um, he was a guy that, you know, was committed to UNC, really liked Tim Brewster. He recruited him to UNC. Uh, that year, Tim Brewster actually, you know, made the move to Florida, um, got an offer from David Turner, took an official visit, but they just couldn't close there at the end. You know, I think the longtime ties with UNC was too hard to overcome, but now he's in the transfer portal. So I think that's a guy to watch. You know, you look yeah, at you know, Swamp 24-7 message board favorite, no? Yeah, he is. And he's from the Armwood area, so that's right up there in that I-75 corridor for Florida. Um, so I think that that's a guy worth watching. But obviously they've got some other guys on the high school level that they're looking at. Uh, you know, Walter Nolan, I think, is a bit of a long shot for Florida. You know, top three, Georgia, uh, Texas A&M, and Tennessee has already used his official visit to Florida, took an unofficial visit to Florida. David Turner will actually be on the sidelines of his game on Thursday night. So they're still trying to chip away there. But, again, I think that one is probably a lost cause for Florida. I think Tennessee and Texas A&M are probably the two schools to watch mostly for him. Um, he's already used the official visit to Texas A&M. Uh, Tennessee will get one of those official visits. I don't believe it's set so far. Uh, but uh, he'll be at Alabama as well for an official visit. Um, but past that, a guy that's more of a defensive end type of guy, at least to me, just from the frame, and you look at that, um, is Nigel Lee Kelly, uh, right there in that Fort Lauderdale Dillard uh, High School type of area. Um, visited for the uh, Vanderbilt game for an unofficial visit. Um, only has one official visit left and says that more than likely it'll be between Georgia and Florida. You know, those type of visits for who gets that last one. Uh, he's a former Florida State commitment. I think he's fairly open with the process. You know, you look at the, the schools that he's visited, you know, LSU, again, coaching change. He's visited Indiana. Don't see him at Indiana. Um, he's visited Oregon. Um, don't really see him going across the country to Oregon. So, you know, we'll see where things transpire there. Um, Florida State seems like they're kind of trending away there. You know, it's just it's such a hard deal to get a guy to come back into a class. So um, we'll see what happens there. Chris McClellan is a guy that I think Florida fans need to keep an eye on. He's a four-star defensive lineman, um, an interior type of guy, um, probably more in the mold of a Zach Carter to where you can throw him at the end. But I think his best bet is, well, maybe I guess more the opposite of Carter because I think McClellan is more of a bread and butter guy for the three technique, but he has that same mobility to move across the line like a Zach Carter. I think Oklahoma and Florida are the two teams to watch for there right now. He's visited Ohio State. He's visited USC. He'll be at Alabama this coming weekend. I think the Sooners and the Gators are the two teams to watch there. And interesting, um, Alabama, or excuse me, Oklahoma could have room for only one more interior defensive lineman. They're looking at a guy named Hero Canoe, um, who is from California. Hero Canoe? Hero Sorry, Canoe. I got to stop you there. Hero Canoe. K-A-N-U, Hero Canoe. Okay. I don't, I don't care how it's spelled. That's an awesome name. He's from Germany, actually. Nice. Made the move to California. Um, so, you know, I think that that's the guy that coming out of an official visit to Oklahoma this past weekend, I think Kiro Canoe is trending towards the Sooners. Um, so I think that that's a guy that, you know, could very well push Florida for the driver's seat for a guy like Chris McClellan. David Turner will be on the sidelines of his game on Friday to see him in action. Uh, he's taken that official visit to Florida back in uh, June took a, an unofficial visit for the Alabama game. So I think Florida's in a good spot there. We'll see where things transpire because numbers are always such a fluid deal. You never know, you know, could they miss out on a guy at another target that opens up a spot on the defensive line. But, you know, the right now it seems like, you know, he could be very much be the odd man out because it seems very much like a first come first serve type of deal with the interior part of the defensive line for Oklahoma. And I think another guy that <clears throat> Florida fans should keep an eye on it. I think he's again, more of a defensive end type of guy is uh, Quint, uh, Quincy Wiggins, um, a four-star defensive lineman out of the Louisiana area. 
uh, took an official visit to Florida for the Vanderbilt game. Uh, they've really been pressing hard. You know, coming out of that official visit to Florida, he said that LSU and Florida were the two teams pressing him the hardest. Um, you know, again, LSU going through a coaching change. Florida's really targeting some of those guys in the Louisiana area. Uh, he took an official visit to Texas this past weekend. Says Texas – or excuse me, says Alabama and uh, LSU both will get official visits down the road. Um, we'll see where things transpire as far as coaching changes at LSU. I'm not totally sure how hard Alabama is pressing for him. I think they're recruiting him, but I think they have some other guys that are ahead of him. Um, so, you know, Florida's still pressing hard for him. You know, he's a top-tier type of guy for the Gators. So, you know, they've got some guys on the defensive line that they're really looking at. I think those are probably the ones to keep the most close eye on. Obviously, there's some others. Tennessee commit Jordan Phillips. Um, is a guy that's visited Florida twice for some games, committed to Tennessee, already used his official visit to Tennessee. Could he take an official visit to Florida? I don't believe anything's set up yet. We'll see if anything happens there because Florida's still pressing for him, kicking the tires on him. And a guy that I really like and I think is underrated is uh, three-star defensive lineman Isaiah Hastings. He's out of the Clearwater area from Canada originally, uh, made the move down to, to the Clearwater area uh, this year, having a really solid year. Alabama's offered, you know, really a lot of big time schools are starting to offer Georgia, Florida. You know, a lot of schools are, are really taking a look at him. Uh, he's planning to take an official visits to Oregon. Uh, Alabama is another one that I believe he has set up. Um, I think Florida will get an official visit for him. He's already visited unofficially twice for a pair of games. So Florida's got some targets on the defensive line. You know, I, I guess it's still a fairly deep board. Um, we'll see where things play out, but they'll be able to see guys like Walter Nolan and Chris McClellan on Thursday and Friday this week. Well, there you go. Stay tuned to Swamp 24-7. To uh, get updates from Blake after some of those happen, hopefully we can connect with those guys and see how they're feeling after the Florida staff checks in on them. Blake, uh, linebacker is kind of one of those positions. A lot of people have had some question marks. I know you mentioned the word tweeners. I guess first off, let's look at the last couple classes. So Tyron Hopper, Juwan Black, Derek Wingo, Chief Border, Scooby Williams. Out of those five guys, were any of those guys true linebackers in high school? I want to say Hopper was. Hopper was a safety originally, but he started to mold more into a to a linebacker. Okay. Are, are any of those other guys kind of true linebacker types? Uh, run through those names one more time for me. You got Hopper. You got Dewan Black. Dewan Black was was a linebacker. Okay. But he was a guy that was a safety originally, played wide receiver originally, but he again grew more into a linebacker. Okay. So you got two maybe there, Chief Borders. He was a linebacker as well, too. Scooby Williams was more of an edge guy in high school, but I think just the size with him, he's a guy that you can move around. I, I, I don't want to compare him to a Diabate because he came in with a little bit more meat on his bones than okay. Diabate did. But there is similar skill set to where you can put him on the edge, but he could also play that middle linebacker position. Chief Borders played linebacker at high school. Um, I think he's more of a buck type of guy now for Florida, at least. So I think that that's where they're going to use him more at compared to just your traditional type of linebacker. And I guess that's kind of my concern is, is one of my issues with the way Florida's recruited the linebacker position and the way they use the linebacker position. I think you got a lot of guys there that are really, really good athletes that can kind of disguise what they're doing a la Diabate or whatever. I, I think you, because you're not recruiting a lot of traditional linebackers, so to speak, you haven't really seen the instincts at that position all that much. And I think it's very obvious when a guy like Ventrell Miller goes out Obviously, Florida losing Shamar James hurts Blake. What else do they got there? EJ Lightsey, I know, is a guy that they have committed. Do they have any other kind of true linebacker types that they're trying to bring in? Wesley Basanti, uh, he's a four-star linebacker out of the Miami area. Another guy who took an official visit for the Vanderbilt game. He's just kind of on the smaller side, you know, 6'1", 200 pounds. He plays very aggressively. He's not afraid to hit you, but I think he's a guy you need to bulk up for the SEC. 
Um, so I, I think Florida's in a good spot for him coming out of that official visit. He's already used all five of his official visits, West Virginia, Penn State, Florida State, Miami, and obviously Florida got an official visit from him as well. So now for him, it's more about kind of evaluating things. Ideally, he said he wants to make a decision somewhere around Thanksgiving, if not the Thanksgiving you know, weekend there. So I think he's going to sit there and ponder some things. But Florida felt really good coming out of that official visit. You know, they felt like they really registered – you know, the chance to play in the SEC and they're playing a little bit better than some of those other finalists, you know, I'll maybe minus Penn state. Um, but they've got education. They've got the chance to play close to home. Florida's recruited a lot of guys out of South Florida, um, you know, spent time with Randy Russell um, who, you know, kind of showed that, you know, even if something God forbid happens while you're on the field, you know, you're still taking care of at Florida. Um, so I think that that was, you know, there were a lot of positives. They really impressed the family. I've heard the dad was really imp- impressed with Florida as well. Um, so there's a lot to like about Florida in this recruitment. You know, there's been some, some mixed signals of, you know, are they recruiting him hard, but Florida's actually turned the heat up quite a bit for quite a while for him, you know, so they, we were recruiting him before the Shamar James incident and they're recruiting him pretty hard, trying to add some more of those guys in that linebacker room. And I think you see them kick it up even more of a notch, you know, now that obviously Shamar James is back on the market. Uh, Jerron Willis is another guy I think worth keeping an eye on as far as Florida recruiting them at linebacker committed to Georgia tech. Um, visited Florida for the Alabama game. He's kept tabs on Florida State. He's officially visited the Seminoles. I believe it was the opening week of the college football season. I think Florida has a chance to get an official visit for him, whether that's the weekend of Florida State or sometime in December. I've heard that there are talks of getting a visit for him officially, um, but no dates completely locked in. But that's a guy that Florida has, you know, just on the mix, you know, if, if something happens. So you want some of those four-star type of guys on your board if you have, you know, a, a Shamar James open up things. You know, obviously Florida would like to have Shamar James in the class, but it's better than looking for maybe a diamond in the rough type of guy, you know, whenever you have something like this happen. So I think those are the two guys as far as linebacker to watch for Florida target wise going forward. All right. And then we're going to ignore specialists because we're running a little bit long. What do we got in the secondary? What do we got in the secondary? Forget the kickers. Uh, You know, I think for safety, uh, Florida's, you know, they're looking at Kamari Wilson. I think that Georgia is the team to beat for him. Um, I think the Bulldogs are going to be hard. You know, could they get an official visit from Kamari Wilson? I think it's possible. But I think even then, even if it does happen, I think that he's more than likely leaning towards Georgia. Um, as far as safeties, other than that, Jacoby Matthews, uh, uh, Wesley McGriff will be on the sidelines of his game on Thursday to see him official visit to Florida, likely looking that December 3rd weekend. Um, as far as that, it's safety. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, they could look at some other guys, um, you know, Emory Floyd, I think is more of a cornerback type of guy, but he's listed as a safety. And I think he could play a little bit around there. Um, the Damari Henderson, uh, who has a twin brother, Dakari, um, one is a safety, one is a corner. I think they could look at some of those guys there too. Um, so as far as safety, I think one guy is probably ideally where Florida's at there. Um, you know, I think that as far as cornerback, that's where things are starting to look a little bit different for me, you know, where you look at earlier this year where Florida had a lot of guys on the board, you know, uh, even going down, you know, just looking at the list now, Jaheim Singletary um, was a five-star type of guy that Florida was able to get on campus this fall. I think Georgia is looking like the team to beat for him. Um, but Florida has, he said in the past that Florida will get an official visit likely in December. I haven't heard any dates being locked in there yet. Um, you know, Florida's looking at Austin Osbury at safety position, but I think he's a guy that has position flexibility. Um, Austin Osbury, I think, is a guy that Florida's made a really good impression on since offering him back in July. Uh, Cam Miller is a guy at cornerback who's committed to Penn State. Florida recently offered him from the Ferdinand Ferdinanda Beach area um, up there in the north part of Florida. Grew up a Florida fan, but obviously committed to Penn State. We'll see if Florida can get anything going there. Uh, Ryan Turner, a guy committed to Ohio State. 
um, visited Florida for the Vanderbilt game. They were able to get him on campus. I think he's still talking to them despite being committed to Ohio State. Um, Azariah Thomas was the guy, the really big top-tier target for Florida that you know I felt good about heading into the month of October. Um, actually took an official visit to Oklahoma, and coming out of that visit, it's looking like the Sooners have taken the lead for him. He's a guy that has had some visit high, so I don't know if that's maybe some visit high coming out of that weekend of the Sooners, but I do think they are a legitimate contender. I think they're looking like the team to beat, and I've actually changed my crystal ball from Oklahoma to, uh, excuse me, from Florida to Oklahoma. Oh, that goes back to kind of something we've talked about. Florida's got to find a way to finish. You know, they, they've, they've done a good job getting in on some of these top prospects like an Azariah Thomas. But it really is. It comes down to finishing, and you, you know, you've got to finish well enough to move yourself out of that range where you're, you know, on either side of Kentucky and Missouri. South Carolina and you're, you're getting up more into that Texas A&M LSU range towards hopefully kind of the back of that top 10 at worst in recruiting rankings. Blake, uh, I know that we've gone a little bit long today, but is there any one kind of parting thought that you have as far as 2022 recruiting, what this staff needs to do and what fans should be paying attention for going forward? You know, I think it's just the, the name of the game that's always been for me is closing. You know, Florida's made a lot of progress with a lot of guys, you know, not even this cycle, but past cycles, but they just never seem to be able to close at the end. So I think closing really strong. You know, I, I think right now you're looking at a class that's going to be a little bit under expectations from, you know, just past years, which we're already under expectating from other Florida fans. You know, Florida fans wanted a higher ranking class then. I think when you're having the struggles this year and your main he- uh, feather in your hat is that we develop guys, you know, we're, we're going to win some games. We're going to do those things. Florida doesn't really have that this year to really be able to put that out there. So I think that you're probably going to have some negative recruiting going on. You're obviously talking about, you know, there, there's at least fan talk of, you know, firing Todd Grantham after the season. We'll see what happens there, but you know, those kind of things can really start to muddy up your recruiting. So closing is going to be the name of the game still. It always has been the name of the game for me and they just need to continue to do that and get, and excuse me, get better with that. Yeah. And unfortunately, like you said, I mean, the, the way things are going on the field, you know, probably don't have that as much to sell, but Hey, look, man, that's why they pay you seven and a half million dollars as the head coach. You get to make those tough decisions. And at the end of the day, if you want to preach about the Gator standard, it also applies to recruiting. So, Blake, uh, I thoroughly appreciate all the time today breaking down the recruiting class. Uh, hopefully, uh, the the graphics work that we did for anybody watching on YouTube made it a little bit easier to follow along. Uh, if you want to go back through and, and watch it again on YouTube because you listen on a pod- podcast platform, go for it. Uh, but, Blake, appreciate all the, the help breaking down recruiting. I think it's very important. And I think, you know, honestly, if Florida's going to get this thing on track in the long term under Dan Mullen, I think recruiting's got to tick up a little bit. So that'll do it for today's episode of the Swamp 24-7 podcast, guys. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back on Monday, I think. Uh, I think because of the Georgia week, the bye week and everything, we'll come back and we'll shoot on Monday. That way, uh, it'll probably be Monday afternoon. That way we can recap anything that Dan Mullen says as far as quarterback battle goes, uh, the Georgia game, all that. Um, if we don't end up shooting Monday because of the timing windows, we don't get those media windows until very late from UF, uh, then it'll be Tuesday uh, around the normal podcast drop time. So anyway, guys, thanks for tuning in. We appreciate it. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better 
because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.